Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting across, uh, we're doing it live in my apartment. Yeah, we are. Uh, with Randy Bonham, who, if you remember, if you've been listening to the show for a while, was on episode eight, where you talked about your relapse. Um, we started talking about relapse and drug addiction, but we ended that episode talking about spirituality and spiritual practice. And we actually got some feedback from our listeners saying that they wanted to hear more on the spirituality topic. So we decided to you know, get you back in mm-hmm. and dive into that. Oh, it's my turn to talk. It's your turn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hello, America. Yeah, it's kind of a natural segue. Um, I was telling my story the first time around because the title of the show is From the Ashes. And so that was my Rising of the Phoenix story. Uh, but the reason that I'm sitting here today is because of a couple of spiritual experiences that I had. It's what people call them. And in downloading with Mark afterwards and talking with other people um, in my life and in my psychotherapy practice, the first thing that happens when you're talking with people about spirituality on any level is noticing the gap between language and people's personal experience, you know, Um, usually the first place you go is, what is that? What do you mean by that? Right. And my experience at the end of my relapse was primal enough to jar me, bring me back to life, literally, um, give me the juice to rise from the ashes. And then the task became, how to maintain that, how to expand it, and how to connect with other people through it. So this is Mark and I turning that whole big topic that everybody talks about and everybody claims to not understand. We're turning that into language today. We're going to... Right before your eyes, so to speak. (laughs) You're going to see it happen. (laughs) We're going to describe spirituality from our own, you know, separate practices and Mm -hmm. kind of the ideas that we've come up with um, over the course of, of this episode, you know, we were talking before, you know, recording about this, you know, spiritual vacuum that I think we're, mm-hmm. we're noticing. And I want to lay that out for listeners, you know, um, you know, a different generation, right? I'm a millennial. You're older. Would you say you're a baby boomer or would you say that you're generous? Uh, I would be baby boomer. Yeah. You're a baby boomer. You know, I looked it up on the chart. <laughs> <laughs> you you got it figured out. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what I was thinking about that is that, you know, we've seen the fall of these major religious institutions. I think the church probably being the big one, you know, mm-hmm. capital C church. And in your generation, I think you witnessed the fall. And in my generation, we were born with it not really existing. 
you know, there certainly are religious pockets, you know, across America, but where I grew up, it wasn't even really spoken about, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm ethnically Jewish, um, culturally Jewish, but I never really went to temple. You know, I did, I had a bar mitzvah, but my family didn't really have any context for what Judaism was or what the religion or God aspect of it was. Mm -hmm. And I would just didn't have any of that. I had a void there. There was a vacuum there. Um, And I see that across generations yet in our culture is that there's this big vacuum all around the spiritual side, um, around the religious side. Do you see something, do you see something similar in the communities that you run in? Yeah, I see that everywhere. And, um, when I relate to people, the tendency is to say when I work with people, but that introduces the language of separation right there. Whenever I relate to people, we inevitably hit this void that one can feel in your chest. Um, I'm just going to start talking directly to viewers out there because, you know, jumping from past and my story to present and Mark to all you guys out there, uh, we're talking about something that's universal and you can feel it. If I was meeting all of you for the first time, okay, we'd be checking each other out. We'd be trying to make eye contact or trying not to make eye contact or trying to really get into the moment or wishing we were somewhere else. But you'd be able to feel the level of connection between the two of us. And that's what I mean when I say there's a spiritual vacuum. People recognize that um, they don't have a spiritual practice or their religion is or isn't working for them. That's putting it into language. But what has become missing is the experience that we can feel. And a spiritual practice should be our connection with something bigger than ourselves that feeds us and gives us the juice to do our everyday dance and, you know, put up with our loved ones when they drive us crazy and connect with people in a way that makes them feel better, right? That's what I've noticed is really missing and really shapes our culture. Mark and I were talking about um, the pace of our lives. Um, From one point of view, uh, Mark is much better at doing life than I am. He's a busy guy. He's got lots of things going on. He does them all very well, right? Uh, But he seems to like to hang out with me because my pace through the moment is much slower. You know, I stop and look at trees. I pause for thought. (laughs) And So spiritual practice and what we wanted to get into was starting with what's been missing and why that might be to what the heck we can do about it in our daily life so we can have an experience that we can feel that feeds us so that we can move through life in a good way. And maybe experience things like happy or peaceful. That'd be really nice. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of moving really fast when we're talking about that. And you do definitely slow me down and bring me more into the moment of appreciating beauty, you know, connecting with nature, being just aware and alive. I think it's really common, you know, for me, and I think a lot of other people out there to just speed through everything. And we were talking a little before the show too, of this idea of not wanting to miss out, whether it be on a work opportunity or on a party or on a social engagement or on an event that you want or your favorite bands coming to town or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of frenetic movement that I've noticed, um, you know, I talk about it in my therapy, which is, you know, we'll get to it, but that's part of my spiritual practice. And I remember for the past couple of years, I could like look at my calendar and I was like, oh my God, I do so much stuff, but I don't feel any of it. It doesn't actually register with me. And one thing I do is I write down all my accomplishments. I write down the things that I do. And, you know, once a year, I try to go back and feel every one. And that's that's a great practice of, you know, listeners at home if you want to do that. But really, for me, there's something missing that I have to do. I have to employ that type of technology, Mm -hmm. right, to just try and feel my life. And I imagine there's a lot of people out there that, you know, do a lot, but it doesn't click. It doesn't resonate with them. And that's. I think part of what I'm talking about when I say there's a spiritual vacuum, there's a lack of connection um, with the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it occurs that um, when people hear the word spirituality, it's for me a lot like the word God. Okay. God is a short word. Everybody can spell it and it means something different for everybody. Totally. Yeah. Very useful. Spirituality Uh, I've noticed people are curious and it seems to touch a place inside them where there should be something, but there's not. And yet there's so much language about spirituality and spirituality and religion and all the different flavors and like that. But it ends up like going to a birthday party and All we eat is the sugar, right? So we've got this waterfall of data coming into our nervous systems that doesn't really add up to an experience, right? So Mm -hmm. you go away feeling kind of empty um, with a slight headache, wishing you'd eaten some protein and and wondering why you didn't have a good time, right? Right. Yeah. And then just crashing out afterwards or, you know, in some cases craving the next hit, right? Craving Mm -hmm. the next dose of sugar Mm -hmm. um, to keep it going thing that that is going to be different. You know, something that I think is also lacking or maybe it's confused in the current era is like a lack of purpose and principles and even ethics or morals. I think that religion for a lot of people did that. And now that we don't have that, I see that there's a real just vacuum around how you live a good life you know, or how you treat other people or what is right or what, what is worth sacrificing for. Mm. I think there's a lot of people that have either have never thought about that. A lot of my clients are like, I don't know what I stand for. You know, I don't know what's important to me. Um, or the people with really competing values where they say one thing, but then act in a different way. Mm. And then they're left with that empty hole in their chest. I think you talked about being like, oh man, I really didn't, really didn't deal with that situation in a way that I, that I think I should have, or that I, you know, aspire to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ends up being, um, a very jangly and dissonant feeling. Something is wrong, but I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Something is missing, 
but I don't know what that is. And in this culture, with as much stuff going on as we've got and as much available to us, I have clients that come in, they might be suffering from anxiety, okay, in a too much espresso kind of way, right? Or they're suffering from depression, which looks like just an exhaustion, okay? I tried everything that there is, nothing worked, and now I'm blue, Mm -hmm. right? So in order to get to what might feed and balance them, mind, body, heart, and spirit, I'll ask, well, let's start with the core of your existence. What about your life do you really love? And they'll go, I don't know. Right. Yeah. That's a hard question for people to answer. And after a moment of stunned silence, I go, well, what do you like to do? You know, I don't know. Um, I do a lot of stuff. And I remember being in high school, I used to really, um, I love to date and go to dances or I love to shoot pool or I liked being on the football team. They're talking in the past tense, Mm -hmm. right? Here's this experience I had that made me feel sort of like I want to feel now. And they've got no connection with that. In their present day life, we have to go back with what did you used to like to do, which is kind of a heartbreaking stretch. Yeah. And for many people, the last time they felt anything is 20, 30 years in the past. Mm -hmm. And you can see it, at least I can see it on their face when they start to think about that and they make that connection. It's like, oh, my God, like I've been asleep for 30 years, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And it's been a restless sleep. Yeah. What, what do you think contributes to that? That like numbing of people or the, the, the sleepiness? Like how do you lose 30 years? You know, actually in my experience, it's not that hard, <laughs> but here's the deal. And I'll just paint a thumbnail sketch of something really big. Okay. In the evolution of culture, um, I would love to pick a particular culture and bash that, but that would be the simplistic, you know, Randy Bonham's vengeance on the radio kind of thing to do. Um, And you viewers deserve better. So picture people gathering, forming groups, a culture develops because we human beings are so creative, right? And there being a real spiritual layer to our existence. And in order to codify that and organize it in such a way that there are people on top and there are people in the middle and there are people doing the everyday stuff and We need to set up a deal that we can organize them efficiently. That idea caught hold and it's developed a life of its own. You know, addiction is a great model. Okay. Because I started out with drugs and alcohol 
without knowing it, medicating against childhood trauma. But totally. Yeah. I didn't have a language or awareness for that. I just knew that these things made me feel okay. Right. You just felt bad and this helped. Right. Right. And I, I felt better. I felt normal. Yeah. Then very quickly, maintaining my dosages became the focus of my life. You know, I didn't use drugs and alcohol to maintain my life. I lived so that I could maintain my practice of drugs and alcohol. And a lot of people fall into that pattern here. Success is recognized achievement at your job. Um, survival is money in the bank and good shelter. Society is the achievement of status, right? And personal relationship is gathering people around you that will put up with you and not leave you. That's, that's all really superficial. We've forgotten the reason that all this stuff exists. And the reason is the heart of spiritual practice to try and get back to that. Why are you doing all this stuff? Why are you even hanging around on planet earth? There is a reason. What's the reason? Okay. I think we're going to take a break here. So life, the experience of life, the spiritual vacuum is we've gotten to a place where we're maintaining an artificial experience and we've lost the direct in today experience of life that feeds us and makes us feel like doing all this stuff. Yeah. I think that's something that we'll explore in the end of the commercial break of getting renewed by life. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing you yeah. talk about, right? Rather than propping up this artifice or chasing things that don't actually matter to us mm -hmm. that I think is ultimately depressing, right? Yeah. Or anxiety producing, or in the worst cases, you know, addiction or mental health producing of chasing kind of this empty thing. Uh, but we're going to talk more about how to reconnect with actually getting fed by your experience rather than having it drain you. Right. So we're going to move to commercial break right now. Uh, for those of you listening, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, check us out on social media. It's Mark M. Asley at everything. Share this with someone that you think might benefit. Um, it really helps us out as we're building out this podcast and, uh, you know, expanding. Because of you, this project is able to continue to keep going. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. 
This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, .teachable.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. Uh, sitting here with Randy Bonham from Episode 8, talking about practical personal spirituality. So we did our preamble in the beginning where we talked about the spiritual vacuum that I think we're both um, noticing in the world and the people that work with, the people that we know. You know, a sense of disconnection from the present moment, a sense of just kind of exhaustion and being drained by life. Um, I think a lack of morality and ethics. And now let's kind of dive into the meat of this episode which is what you want to share with people of how to actually reconnect with spirituality, how to create a practice um, that works for them. Yeah. And that um, you could say it's my passion. It's what brought me back from the ashes. And it's a funny kind of discussion to have because it always feels like um, fish talking about water, you know, you have two fish and one of them says, yeah, I'd like to reflect and, you know, get your experience on water, the nature of water. And the other fish goes, what? What's water? Mm -hmm. um, you know, one fish is just in it and could care less about the languaging. The other fish has experienced separation from the experience of water. Oh, water is separate from me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I've noticed that in conversations that people have about spirituality. People start with the experience of lack. Well, this is something that I think my grandma had. Um, I've got some friends that do a lot of yoga and meditate and they seem happy. Uh, people are reaching outside themselves to try and connect with something larger than themselves that still contains their identity. And they haven't found a way that clicks for them. Uh, so what we're going to try and do for the rest of the show here is avoid the list of cliche practices because if you're listening to this podcast, I would imagine you've heard the lingo and you've tried a lot of the different stuff. Um, you may have tried religion and had a certain kind of experience, but it didn't do it for you and you're not sure why. Uh, 
and you sat in meditation and you either fell asleep or got a headache. Um, I would imagine you've explored the usual things that we hear about. And if you haven't found that thing that makes you feel alive and be glad that you're alive, then that's where we want to go from here. Okay. So instead of starting with what's missing, we can start with what do you already have? Because in my journey, I've seen a lot of people who do have a spiritual practice, but it doesn't fit into the standard accepted language. So they don't have one, right? Uh, I'm thinking of friends of mine that are total gearheads, you know, um, whether it's motorcycles, cars, whenever they possibly can, they're out in the garage. And to the rest of us, they're just tinkering. They're like, so you're unbolting this part and putting another part on there, right? And then you're really listening to the engine mm -hmm. and you're changing this and you're getting very excited about it. And, you know, we look at them and just go, look, the thing was running when you drove it in the garage. It's running when it comes out. What's your deal? Right. But they have found this connection through their bike, through their ride to a level of being in the world that fascinates them, connects them to the larger world, and they love it. You know, they could spend all their time doing that. And some of them do. They become ace mechanics, right? So the essence of spiritual practice for me, the thing that brought me back from the grave and made me do the hard ass work actually to rebuild a life and reconnect with humanity and the world is the experience of fascination and magic with something larger than me that brings me back to myself. Okay. Little kids have that. You know, if uh, a two or three year old is restless and crying, very often you can calm them down by handing them a leaf. Okay. Wow. Check out this leaf. And if they get into it, they're still there a half an hour later, right? So for a lot of us, we're so busy serving something artificial outside ourselves that we've lost the flavor of that experience. So starting a spiritual practice or finding out if you've already got one what do you do during your day that feeds something bigger than you and it makes you feel good because you want to do that thing? For some people, 
it can be family and marriage. Okay. Uh, I've known a lot of people that have jobs and their jobs are okay, but the job gives the paycheck that pays for the house that puts clothes on the kids back and their real juice is just being at home, watching their kids argue, helping their spouse prepare a meal. Everybody going to bed safe, warm and dry and healthy. And that's an actual energy that makes them go, hell yeah. Now, I don't really care about all this other shit. My kids are happy. Yeah. I love my wife. You know, that's spiritual practice. One thing that church used to give us was a sense of community, a sense of common purpose. Okay, then church has changed and ritual became empty, but that basic thing is still out there. So people that engage in community, even if you're just helping your neighbor, you know, um, I live in a little township. I mean, it's, it's a little township. It's got 33 houses if you count everybody on both sides of the stream. (laughs) And Second Avenue is one and a half blocks long. It was dirt until last year. And yet, whenever anything's happening in our half a dozen houses, we gather in the street and go, are you okay? What do you need? Everybody's solid here, right? That feeling carries whether we get together or not, we're aware of it and we feed it. You can move outward in concentric circles so that you're involved in the nation, the larger community. But the essence of it is what connects you to something bigger than yourself that makes you feel alive, that makes you want to continue. Pardon the tinkling of ice here, but (laughs) we're in Colorado. It's dry. I'm talking. Uh, So not to get too far afield, let's bring it back to the personal again. Because remember, If you can't feel it, it's not real and valid for you. I really want to hammer this point down because when people start longing for a spiritual connection, whether it's with a human community or with the holy, maybe they were given ideas of God or the holy that didn't end up working for you because you couldn't feel it. Okay. So you spend the next 10 or 20 years going, well, I'm doing it wrong. I need to do it harder. Or I need to do this different thing over here. I was born an evangelist Christian. I'm going to become a Hindu. (laughs) Right. Uh, 
for a personal, practical spirituality, you got to validate your own existence first. If you have any belief in any concept of the holy, even one that you know you can't wrap your head around, okay, then you're faced with the fact that your existence is probably not an accident. You are probably part of something bigger. You do have a right to be here. And it's not all supposed to be a drag, right? That's a definition of slavery. So validate for yourself the fact that at least part of your life must be something good that you can feel so that you can be fed and have the juice to do all this other stuff. Okay. That's your first benchmark. Then this takes a lot of personal honesty. Okay. Because of the language that we're submerged in. Make an examination of your life directly personal so that you can find out what you love. Because the natural process is I am fed by the world and I feed the world. Every living being does that. Okay. So try and figure out what you really love to do. You can figure out why you try and love it or why you love to do that. But uh, turns out that's not that important. It's the experience that pulls you forward and connects you with life. This is the trail that you want to follow. Then look at the activity that's involved with that. That's your ritual. Okay. If your job is everything, great. Okay, going to work is your ritual. This is your spiritual practice. Own it. Be fed by it. If it's your car, if it's your family, if it's nature. Okay. But it's got to be natural in the world. Connects you to life. Gives you back a feeling of wanting to move forward and continuing to do that. And then you just maintain that. Find what you love. We protect what we love. And that will bring you to your experience of the holy. Okay, that's really well said. Right? And I like what you're, you know, repeating here, which is if it doesn't feel like anything, you're in the going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Like to use your emotions, to use, you know, being touched by the world as a compass towards it. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a couple things. I mean, what comes to mind, I think it takes humility, right? Because you might like something that you, that you don't think is cool, right? Or that none of your friends are into, or that seems antiquated. Mm-hmm. But I think having the humility to, you know, recognize that you might not know yourself as well as you think you do. 
And maybe you're fed by things um, that are, you know, different or that seem kind of like lame or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That aren't the kind of like high impact, high status, um, high, you know, fame um, outcomes. You know, the thing that I wanted to also share, um, I was thinking of is, I think it's worth mentioning is that for some people, for me, definitely, I think our spiritual like receptor can be blocked. You know, I think of it like a plaque, like there's like something on it. And that was the experience for me. And I need to do a lot of personal work whether through therapy, through talking to mentors, through, you know, really opening up to friends to strip away those layers that were blocking my receptors, you know? And for me, a lot of it was numbing behavior. So, you know, drugs was probably the big one, you know, video games was up there. Mm. Porn was up there, you know, like dissociating daydreaming was up there. Like I had a lot of defenses in the way to actually feel things. Because I was defending against, you know, childhood trauma, childhood conditioning, a lot of pain, loneliness that I felt. And I think until I stripped those away and went through those experiences of grief and shame that was underneath it, only then was I actually able to feel joy and to, you know, acknowledge beauty. So I want to say that for listeners out there that if you're hearing Randy talk and you're like, I don't know if I even feel anything. It might be because you have these like smoke screens you know, sometimes for me, literally, I was high all the time, like smoke screens on top of the receptor that's picking up, that's able to pick up, you know, these feelings of nourishment and, and enjoyment. Um, so we'll talk more about that. We're going to move into our break right now. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to ask Randy a question or you want to have him back on another show, we actually had um, a little bit of um, feedback from the last show. Send us an email um, at podcast at mark com. M-A-R-C-A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.com. I'll forward everything that you sent over to Randy. Um, I think it's been a great episode so far. And I'm looking forward to diving more into some practical steps. And I think sharing from our own stories of what we've done in order to connect with the present moment and to develop a spiritual practice. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C, dash Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. 
To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and we're here for our final segment of Practical Personal Spirituality with Randy Bonham. So he laid out a wonderful, just eloquent way of speaking about connecting to the present moment and finding just your own personal avenue to feeling, really, right, and nourishment um, that I think can lead to the divine or lead to the holy, but even in the moment of just being aware and alive and active in your life. Right. Even if it doesn't look like, you know, religious practice or meditation or yoga or prayer, there's many ways to feel something right to start to wake up. And we were talking over the break of I think there really are. I agree with you. There are cultural and societal forces that are blocking this. Right. Whether actively, which is a whole nother conversation or just, you know, kind of coincidentally, because they make a lot of money, right? There's a lot of money in blocking these things. There's a lot of money in creating, you know, like dopamine lever machines, right? Or uh, false idols, right? There's a lot of value because it can hack the brain. Um, So I'm curious your thoughts about that. What are some of the things that you think get in the way of people connecting to the moment and feeling alive and discovering their own spirituality? Well, there are a lot of things that can get in the way, but the basic mechanism behind that is uh, I'm going to put myself in your shoes, our listeners out there. So you're going through your day and you will run into people, institutions, forces, you know, seems like it comes from nowhere. They have an agenda of their own. And in order to accomplish their agenda, they have to get you to invalidate your own. Okay. And this has happened to me a lot, especially in jobs. Uh, I spent a lot of my life in blue collar jobs because for me, it was honest work. It was very direct Okay, there was no corporate mind with a secret agenda. I rent you my biceps and my back for 45 hours a week. You give me this much money. We try and get along while we're doing the stuff. Great. Right. And time and again, I would hire on with a company like that. We'd form a team. We'd get stuff done and then somebody else would buy the company or it was bought by a corporation and a different agenda moved in that I had not signed up for. This can happen to all of you out there. So watch out for anything that makes you forget what you originally started out to do. Okay. Because that will layer over your spiritual awareness, okay? Thing number two, that's a big group of blocks. Don't let anybody 
invalidate the things that you love, the things that feed your spirit. There's a lot of language like that out there. And I'm on kind of a flamethrower mission now (laughs) to shed light on that and get rid of it. Because one thing Mark said, you know, maybe you, you have something that you love to do that feeds your spirit, but you think it's not cool. Oh, and that hit me because if I love to do something, why would I think it's uncool? Now, this is somebody else's voice that came in and said, you're wasting your time with those video games. You know, that that model that you're making, you've got a whole wall full of models. You're still just playing that guitar. You're not making any money with that, are you? Right? On and on and on. Um, Remember that a lot of people could say that about activity with a church. You know, well, that's just not cool. I mean, you're sitting in this building, silent, staring at this statue, right? Anything, and I'm editing my own language. Can I say fuck on the air? Yes. Oh, wait, I just did. Okay. (laughs) Anything that comes along and invalidates your practice of something you love and that makes you want to be alive, tell that voice to fuck off. You can go through years of analysis and arguing with it and like that. But in the end, you're just going to have to tell it to fuck off because you're you and you love this thing. So that's two big groups of blocking that we have to watch out for because it's very popular. Mm. You know, there are forces out there that want us to be slaves because that's profitable. They want to keep us in systems that they've designed. Yes. Right. Rather than having us develop our own system. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I think a big one that I want to say that's a little tangential, but I think related, I think it comes from, you know, maybe the, my millennial mindset mm. is that I think my generation was sold this idea that we can do everything. And we sold, we were sold like open-mindedness and flexibility as like major values, which I think are important. But what I see is that my generation struggles to make decisions because we don't want to lose something. We don't want to make a sacrifice, you know, and what I think happens, and I I was guilty of this, is we move from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing Mm -hmm. or person to person to person to person, right? Or path to path to path to path or whatever it is. And we don't really commit to anything. And what I want to say for people listening that was really helpful for me was starting to learn the value of commitment. And starting to understand how I can grow, you know, personally, emotionally, spiritually, going deep into something, whether that be a hobby, a relationship, a spiritual practice, a career, there are things, there are obstacles that happen at those advanced stages that for me have really forced me to grow and to look at myself. And I had the pattern, which I think many people listening probably have too, of when I hit an obstacle, when it, when it got hard, I moved to a different thing. Mm-hmm. 
right? But I, I wasn't able to commit and get into those more advanced problems or get into that more spiritual development. So I do want to add that find something that you do that you love, but also sticking with it and knowing that it's not going to be great and joyous all the time. But there are so much opportunity to learn, especially when you pass that beginner level. When you have some sense of the, the ground, right? When you're trying to learn a song on guitar, but you know a little bit about guitar. So you can really play with it in a way instead of it's like stumbling over your fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think there's a lot of value to commitment. And I, and I just want to get that message out there because I think my generation in particular really struggles with it. I think we really struggle with committing because we don't want to have to choose. Because when you pick one door, every other door closes. Right. Like there's a grief that happens where it's like, if I'm going to go in this direction, it means at some point I'm not going to be able to go in this other one. I think that's tough for a lot of millennials. I think it's really tough for us to acknowledge choosing something. And that's a great example of being sold on a particular idea so completely that you never pause to go. Well, what if that's not true? Right. Okay. Um, A lot of current or quote unquote new age spiritual practice talks about being in the moment, slowing down, stopping, pausing, right? I mean, meditation. You can get into the esoteric language of it, of course, and be talking about all these magical experiences that I might have. But as a friend of mine put it, you know, if I'm on a 10-day meditation retreat, lots of times I'm just sitting, you know, I'm not being enlightened. I'm not traveling the cosmos. I'm just sitting on this cushion and my butt hurts. Right. Uh, So we get sold on certain ideas that keep us from choosing one thing and developing it all the way. And most of those ideas are fear-based. What you just said, if I choose an open door and commit to that, all the other doors close. Says who? Hmm. Says who? Wow. You're 30 years old and um, you haven't started a family yet? Well, you know, if you want kids, pretty soon you're going to be 40 and we know what that means. And, you know, you're 30 years old and you haven't settled on a career yet. Ah, Danger, danger. You should be already preparing for retirement. These voices that come in. Which people, if you take two steps back and listen to them, most of this is marketing. They do. That voice does have something that it wants you to choose. And it wants to charge you for that. Okay. So when you're entering a picture of developing your own spiritual practice, get in the habit of challenging these things that limit you, all right? Um, The choice thing. My daughter just turned 31, right? 
and I've gotten to watch her grow up and go through the whole millennial struggle. And it's not the wonder of having many options and choices, right? It's the idea that she was sold on that she could do anything she wanted to. And the whole world was available to her. And she'd better make a choice because the clock was ticking. And if she made the wrong choice, then her life was over because uh-huh. it was going to send her on the wrong trajectory. And oh, you blew it, kid. I mean, when you say those things out loud, most of us go, that's a horrible vision of the world. That shit isn't true, but it's what we're sold. So challenge any belief you've got that might hold you back from switching gears, diving completely into something that you're already doing. Okay. Anything that holds you back from that experience that lets you go, wow, my life rocks and I live in a beautiful world. Okay. I can say with confidence because I've been around for a while. Wherever you are, there's beauty in your surroundings. Okay. There might also be ugliness or threat or poverty or futility, but there is beauty there. And we're often taught to not see it. Okay. Whoever you are, there are connections waiting to be made that once they're made will feed you because you love to do that stuff. Don't let any belief system or anybody else's voice block you from that. Okay. And this is universal. Okay. Inner city gang members have community and they live by values and a code. Whatever other people think of their lives, right? They have a spiritual practice. People that plug back into the religion of their parents or their grandparents. That may have become empty ritual for other people, but it feeds them. And so they just don't tell anybody about it. I'm not going to tell somebody I became Catholic (laughs) again at the age of 35. Don't be ashamed of that stuff. And don't worry about doors closing. Don't worry about age If you're 40 right now, statistically, you've got another 40 years on the planet. That's a lot of time. It's a big world. It's full of people. And everybody wants to experience the fact that their life rocks and they have beauty. So find your thang. Do it fearlessly. And get a hold of me and let me know how that works out for you. That's a great way to wrap up our show. In our last, you know, 30 seconds or so, can you tell people where they can find you? 
they want to get a hold of you? Yes. Um, through the miracle of modern technology, you can actually Google my name. <laughs> um, there astoundingly is more than one Randy Bonham in the United States, but um, randybonhamtherapy.com. And there's also randybonhamwordsandmusic.com. You can email me at randy.bonham, B-O-N-N-O-M, at gmail.com. If you follow any of those threads, you'll get a page that gives you my phone number. Call me. I am not scared of that. If I don't have the time or I get a funny feeling, I just won't pick up. But nine times out of ten, I do. That's great. I think that's definitely true. If you're really touched by this, moved by this, curious about hearing more from Randy, email him, call him. I know he's really available. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us on this weekly episode of From the Ashes, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.